What are you giggling about? <laughs> this fucking song! I've always heard how much of a kind of a male chauvinistic song it was, but the fucking poonhoundry of this song. So, to All the Boys I Loved Before is a playoff of the song title to All the Girls I Loved Before, which was made by Willie Nelson and Julio Iglesias. Um, and the lyrics go <laughs> to all the girls I've loved before who traveled in and out my door. I'm glad they came along. I dedicate this song to all the girls I've loved before. And then the <clears throat> next verse <laughs> to all the girls I once caressed. And may I say I've held the best Damn. for helping me to grow. I owe a lot. I know. To all the girls I've loved before. Damn. And then the winds of change are always blowing. And every time I try to stay, the wind the winds of change continue blowing and they just carry me away. Damn. <laughs> it's just like fucking It's the fuckboy anthem, Doc. So he admits what he's doing is wrong. He admits that he <laughs> thinks it's wrong. But then he's like, eh. Not it- that he thinks it's wrong. He's just like He's just wistful, like, man, I wish I could just, like, you know, stay here, be with you instead of going out on the road and begging a bunch of other broads, you know? But, ah, uh, it is what it is. It's just the winds of change, baby, you know? It's really... I'll the, write a song about you. It's, it's the fuckboy version of Brandy. <laughs> That's what it is. It's like, well, I'm not going to stick around because I don't want to. Not because the sea is calling me and I have something other than a girl to keep me alive. It's more of like, I'm just going to be a fuck boy. I mean, we don't know that because it wasn't the person who was who had known Brandy that was writing the song. That's true. It was someone who was witnessing it. So that sailor may have ended up writing to all the girls I loved before. And Brandy may have been one of those girls that he had loved before. We don't know. That's true. He could have several other pirate pirate uh, winches. Somewhere else, yeah, some other I mean, that may be, yeah. That may be his fucking line. He said yeah. to Brandy that she's a fine girl, what a good wife she'd be. But the you know the life and love and his lady is the sea. But I mean, he could have been saying you know, and the sailor said, "Tanya, you're a fine girl." <laughs> and the sailor said, "Laura Jean, you're a fine girl." L.J. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking LJ. And the sailor said, Samantha, you're a fine girl. Cinnamon. Imogene, you're a fine girl. Imogene? you know. Well, hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch rom-coms and then record our thoughts and place it on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners. Listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing? I this am fine day? cold as fuck. Yes, it is polar vortex time here in Chicago. Yeah, we had a high of ten today. Um, something stupid yeah, like that. Something like that. I'd be surprised if you even got double digits. Yeah. Yeah. So, got that going for us. Uh, <laughs> good times. The uh, times the heat indeed. in my building yesterday. They had to actually turn off. There's something went wrong in the basement, and they're like, "Uh, oh, yeah, guys, sorry for the late notice, but um." In about 10 minutes, we got to shut off all of the heat and the water. So just chill. And they're like, yeah, we have no idea how long this is going to last, but it's an emergency. But don't worry. We're like, I don't honestly, I don't even know what to be worried about at this point. Like, (laughs) I got nothing in my unit, so I'm trapped here. But also, is the building going to fucking catch on fire or something? Like, what is happening? Well, you know, it was hilarious about them telling you to just chill is that they said dot, 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 literally. Uh, uh, yeah. 
I see what you did there. Yeah. You know, because it's cold and and there's snow on the ground, much like there was snow on the ground. And to all the boys, P.S. I I still love you, which is what we watched this week. The second part of the trilogy of the the, all the boys trilogy that's on Netflix. The third installment is coming out on Friday, the 12th. Uh, we will be watching it, and then that episode will come out on Friday or Monday, the fifteenth. Uh, I'm really but, excited for that. That we're actually covering <coughs> like a live, like one that's coming out, like as it's coming out. That's so cool. I'm excited for that. I'm super duper stoked. Absolutely. Um, so let's get into the stats of the second offering, since we pretty much talked about the intro to the movie and the series. Uh, from the first episode. Um, so, it's all the boys. P.S. I Still Love You is a 2020 American teen romantic comedy film directed by Michael Fimogneri. Fimogneri? Sure. Uh, F-I-M-O-G-N-A-R-I. Why is there a G-N right there? The Fimogneri. I don't know. Yari, whatever. <laughs> it was written by Sophia Alvarez and Jay Mills Goodlow. Uh, the film stars Lana Condor, Noah Centineo, Janelle Parrish, Anna Cathcart, Trezo Mahoro, I believe that's who played Trevor, uh, Madeline Arthur, Amelia Brerenach, uh, Kelsey, there's a shit ton of names. I don't know why I'm reading them all. Uh, but the, of course, the last two big ones, John Corbett and Holland Taylor. Holland Taylor, who's been in a few of the films that we've watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big, my favorite of hers, of her performances is from The Wedding Date. Myself. That's as right. As That's my favorite. Um, she was <laughs> solid in that. Yeah, she's solid in everything she's in, honestly. Uh, I remember her from uh, two, two and a Half Men. That was when I, when that show first came uh, out. Of course. I was watching that. Yep. Yeah, she was good in that. They do have a budget for this film, even though there was no like box office, quote unquote. But they do have a budget. All right. So uh, it's 102 minutes long. Uh, what do you think the budget for the film was, Max? Max, you still there? Sorry, can you hear me? I think I muted myself somehow. I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'll replay the conversation I apparently had with myself. Um, <laughs> I don't have a reference, right? There was nothing, absolutely nothing from the first movie for budget. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, as far as listed is concerned. Netflix movie, no real big actors except for, you know, the two main ones that aren't really that big yet. I'm going to say 15 million. $18 million. 18. So yeah, sweet. 18 million. Yeah. And, uh, this was, uh, I believe this was filmed. Um, in November 2018, it was reported that Netflix and Paramount Pictures were in discussions to produce a sequel. And then they announced the development in December. And then March 2019, it, that's when they got like a director and everything else. Hmm. And it started really becoming a thing. Um, and principal, principal photography started happening in March of 2019. And then toward the end of that summer, early falls, when they did principal photography for the last movie. So they did two or three in 2019. And, uh, huh. yeah. And so like this movie came out, the first one came out in August of 2018. And then by November, you know, Netflix and the film company that made this were like, okay, let's, let's start working on the sequel. I'm like, so it took basically two months of positive reviews and views before they finally pulled the trigger on getting this going. So the Rotten Tomatoes review score for this film 
is based off of 72 reviews. Okay. In this case. What do you think the Rotten Tomato score for this film is? What was it for the last one? Do you remember? It was 96%. Ooh, that's right. That's right. We have the big boy. Um, uh, shit. I don't know. 90%? This movie is certified fresh. All right. Much like the last one was. Mm-hmm. At 75%. Oh. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, to all the boys, P.S. I still love you. The Chris consensus says, uh, may feel like little more than an amiable postscript to its predecessor, but fans of the original should still find this a swoon-worthy sequel. That's a pretty good summary. Yeah, I agree. Um, and uh, let's see. There's a... <laughs> uh, um, There's two critics are of Breakfast All Day. I, I'm assuming it's a website. All, <laughs> all day. <laughs> uh, but Christy Lemire of Breakfast All Day writes, it's really sweet. If you like the first one, you will like this one too. Very true. Yeah. Al- Alonzo Duralde wrote, uh, also of Breakfast All Day, wrote, if I were 16, I would be obsessed with this movie. Um. I don't see a bad review in the list of reviews. Um, I mean, I could search for one. So what but like it down the, to 75 from, what was it, 96? Yeah. Just because it's a uh, cool. Let's see. Uh, Carl De Los Santos of Smash Cut Reviews wrote, I fell in love with all the boys I've loved before, but the sequel, P.S. I Still Love You, Makes me think I want to see other people. Damn. So he pulled a Laura Jean. Yeah. Someone else wrote uh, Caillou Pettis of Battle Royale with Cheese, which is a funny name. Uh, Tell the boys, P.S. I still love you. Doesn't offer a lot of greatness with its bland script, even if it still contains great performances from Lana Condor and Noah Centineo. I mean, again, you're reviewing a fucking apple from the perspective of an orange. Keep in mind, this is a fucking <laughs> high school drama comedy. Like, it's supposed to be stupid and lighthearted and simple. I think I like this review the best, though. From Emily Forney of Bitch Media. <laughs> I shit you not, it's Bitch Media. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, P.S. I Still Love You affords its female characters the emotional and physical space to come to terms with their desires and insecurities. That's a very good point. That's a very interesting viewpoint of this film. I mentioned to you how, as we jump into the movie, how I liked Holland Taylor's um, character Stormy, not necessarily in her, like like from her advice because sometimes her advice is a little more like uh yeah you know like the whole all of my love love stories overlap with another one it's like maybe that's why you're single now yeah like, a little bit. <laughs> that might have been an issue but what i thought was nice though was that you know Margot suggested working at bellevue to uh LJ and then she made friends with her and just immediately it's just this female independence this very like you know Stormy does what she wants and controls everything and just doesn't give a shit doesn't take guff does exactly what she wants yeah that's the message she needs to be telling Lara Jean in her you know her advice not it's not make sure all the relationships overlap no it's like no storm your own fucking life take the helm and be independent and then whatever guy you choose to have fit into your life will be lucky to be in it that kind of attitude and it makes me think like with Margot, you know she goes off to you know scotland and everything else and she broke up with josh before she left and everything 
I feel like it makes some more sense now when you think about it if she had Stormy in her ear. Mm. Well, she, not only, she obviously well, not needs only, the motherly figure, too, when she doesn't have her mom well, around. I know, although they do mention in the first movie that uh, mom always said, never go to college with a boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, but then having Stormy back up that thought process to Margot probably really put the death nail on Josh, Josh Sanderson, along with the fact that we don't see him once in this damn film. Yeah, we don't. Not at all. He's he's no longer a friend. That's so weird. Like he's just fucking dead <laughs> like, to us. Yeah, he was like he was sharing headphones with LJ, and now nothing. This, although this poor dude. Although at the same time, we could be, we could be persuaded to think that he's older because he got with Margot. Oh, true. So he might be a senior to her junior, and maybe as a senior, he decided to graduate early and go off to whatever his post grad plans were. So maybe he's already there. Or he's just watching all this from, you know, the corner in the hallway and goes into the bathroom. And using, and his, using and his tears as lubricant yeah. as he jerks off to it. Yeah, exactly. It should have been me, LJ. <laughs> 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 uh, but, yeah, something else I enjoyed about this film, and it's something I mentioned to you and I'm going to say again. This movie is exactly what happens after Ever After. Oh, totally. Like this That's exactly what this movie is about. That's the whole plot point. That's the thesis statement of this film. What happens after Ever After? <laughs> Let's find out between these two characters. Wait, so are this is their senior year? Junior year? No, this is the continuation of their junior year. Okay. Jesus. So they basically get together like early, like in the winter, because they go on the snow trip. Right. And the snow trip's after Christmas. So, um, so basically they get together like in the January, February area. Um, so that's why they're going on their first date to start the movie. And yeah. Yeah. So that's why they go on the first date and then they have Valentine's Day kind of just jump up on them. Right. And then. And then there's the whole March area, which then brings on the Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. And so that's, I think the timeline's important to think about as well, because that's going to come into play based off of the trailer of the third and final installment of this film series. Mm. I, I don't know anything about the third movie yet, so... Okay. Yeah, you should check the trailer out. The trailer is... I'll have to check it out before we do. Yeah. Before we watch it, yeah. Yeah, I'm the trailer excited. is... I mean, when I watched the trailer last week before we recorded, it was exciting. Oh, well, yeah, now that you've seen the second movie, but, too. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you know what's up, yeah. Um, I mean, the big thing about this film is that we recast the part of John Ambrose... And we ignore the post-credits joke that they played in the first movie and completely bring him in as if he had never seen her, as if he hadn't seen LJ since. Um, maybe, so, uh, maybe he was so heartbroken and heart-torn by this letter that he just needed to, I don't know, change his identity. Change his identity from a white guy in a suit to a black kid? Because yes. the, the post-credits script... Or joke had a, a white kid show up. He went the reverse, <laughs> reverse Michael Jackson. Yeah, and then also they got rid of the Vine star, Greg, uh, played Greg, played by King Botch, uh, Andrew Bachelor. Oh yeah, uh, and basically replaced him with Trevor, who now dates Chris. Um, and so, who was a couple... who was a hilarious like side character? Like he said some perfect things in perfect moments. Trevor was cool. I I dug the the bus thing. Yep. LJ, the bus. When LJ and uh, uh, Peter are having an argument, and he goes, hey, "L, come on, we gotta go." LJ, yeah, sorry, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> just the way he's like, "Sorry, you know," but it's just like, "Oh, I I get that. I get that. I, I feel that in my core." Well, because you know? also it was summing up like a three-minute-long scene of just them like having this argument about really just tumultuous high school emotional shit, but about basically about how 
things can be interpreted yeah and how multiple interpretations of things can be half correct so it was if you leave it, it was, if you leave it up in the air it was nice to have trevor there to kind of ground the situation and be like guys look i know you got shit going on but there's other things to do all right let's move the fuck on so maybe i maybe- i didn't take it like that i took it more like he understood the the seriousness of the conversation, but they also had to go play a lacrosse game, and no one's gonna fuck with my lacrosse game. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a scholarship to go here. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what I mean by bigger things. It's like, yeah, you guys are arguing, yeah. but like, you know, he's got to. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get into Yale as a lacrosse player. So. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is that? I guess yeah, lacrosse is East Coast, so. For all I know, that could be a real thing. It probably is. Like more East Coast elite type yeah. shit, yeah. Like if you're if in the West, I would say maybe like Denver or like some sort of Colorado schools. Carl played lacrosse. Did I ever tell you that? Oh. Yeah. I did not know I mean, that. He grew up in Maryland, so like that's that was yeah. their thing. But like I mean, when he and I worked together, I would always tease him about that because he would always pair it with conversations about how much he wanted a like a boat one day. And I'm like, are you already like an 85 year old retiree in, in Florida or something like <laughs> crab cakes, football, lacrosse <laughs> and a boat. That's what Maryland does. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's what that quote should have been. Crab cake and lacrosse. <laughs> um. But there, I I totally. Where were we? Oh, yeah. So we're talking about Trevor and and Chris. Trevor, they were cool. Um, let's talk about another burgeoning relationship though that happens in the background of this film. Doctor Covey and Miss Rothschild. Hell yeah! Uh, I love this little love story. I do too. Watching like John Corbett just be John Corbett in a rom com is always nice. Uh, but like the way he looks at the picture at the Korean New Year, yeah, and, and, like the picture of his of his wife, and then the way he you know kind of flirts with Miss Rothschild about the you know shrubbery and everything else, and then the way he like is trying to flirt in the grocery store and is not sure. Like, but like, just seeing that youthful energy of flirting and not knowing what you're doing, mm-hmm. and you know, doing it again as a fucking established adult is just so fun to watch on on film. Yeah, yeah, and it's a good it's a good contrast and anchor for the for all of the youthful romance that's happening throughout the, these movies. You know, the, the youthful melodrama. Yeah. Actually. It helps kind of balance it out and ground it a little bit and like show you, it reminds you like, Oh, this is the kind of stuff that love turns into eventually. Like Mm -hmm. it reminds you like, there's more to this after high school. Remember. (laughs) And I also like, uh, and I don't know if I mentioned it in the last episode, but um, I think I did where I liked how there was like that little improv thing between John Corbett and Lana Condor that it felt like an improv thing where with the Brussels sprouts. No, which well first in the first movie, when he sends her off to the ski trip and he (laughs) gave her all the condoms and then then he says to her, you know, have fun. And she's grabbing something from the backseat and she's like, well, I got a ton of rubbers. So yeah. Hard not to. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm and like, so I thought that that was more of like an improv line. And I thought that was funny. And then I like the continuation of that in this film when she goes and picks up the Brussels sprouts. And then off camera, you hear John Corbett go, more, we need more. <laughs> and then she goes, and she goes back and tries to grab more. I thought that was the funniest shit. <laughs> yeah. I love those things between actors. And I think that really adds to the chemistry of the cast. And it adds to the, the quality of the movie too. Because like you can't mm-hmm. script human interaction. Like you can only plan for it so much, you know. And if you plan every little detail, then it's it does it's not going to seem like real human interaction. So every time you just you know develop a script where it's just the basic framework and then let the actors kind of fill in the rest, I feel like that 
that's those are always the movies we kind of gravitate towards, you know, and like feel more invested in watching. Yeah. And then we also get a bit of a a bit of a resolution between Jen and LJ, which is nice. I Yeah. Much much like there's the diner scene between Dr. Covey and LJ in the first film. One of the sneaky favorite scenes that I had in this film was that just because of the emotion and the progression of the story forward and the lesson learned by LJ in the, in the scene was that second treehouse scene where she and Jen kind of, you know, bury the hatchet a little bit. That's a bomb ass treehouse, isn't it? It's I, I could never imagine having a treehouse that bomb. I always like, wanted a treehouse when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty dope. That was like I was looking at that in that scene. Actually, that's when I noticed it when they're sitting there next to each other, but they're not next to each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you got the the music build up, and it's building towards them like forgiving each other kind of thing. And then you start getting her monologue. I'm looking during the monologue. I'm not paying attention to that. I'm looking at the background, which is the treehouse, and I'm looking at it going. This looks like you hired an actual like contractor to build this fucking thing. Like <laughs> Jesus, this is legit. It had windows and shades and stuff. Like I was looking around for a fucking power outlet. Well, who knows? Maybe the kid who's like the kid who had the treehouse, like his dad may have been a contractor. That's and true. So Maybe they his dad, yeah. And his dad may have had a treehouse when he was young, so he was like, "I'm going to give a treehouse to my kid." And you know what? I'm going to build the treehouse I always wanted. And now with my contractor knowledge and being, you know, what seems like an affluent part of Portland, I can afford to do this. Let's make a bomb ass treehouse. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. But nonetheless, anyway, uh, yeah, back to uh, I kind of Jen. Jen, I, I do I kinda, like the resolution a lot. The fact that her parents are going through a divorce, which is why she kind of leans on Peter. And, yeah, and that LJ kind learns to just stop being so in your head, and worried about others. Like you have to, you know, relationships are all about trust, which. Which annoys me about TikTok. Let's get on on TikTok. So let's talk about TikTok. Where did TikTok come from? No, because all these fucking like memes of girls who are like, like girls who act like they're on their phone while laying next to their boyfriends who are on their phone, and then they have like all these like mirrors or like all these quote unquote tricks of trying to see his screen and see him liking other girls oh. posts on Instagram and then like catching him or in that sort of thing. And like, if there's this whole thing about like, and then there's guys who post like videos, like she tried to catch me slipping and like, but I caught her like this. And it's just like a whole sub, like Jesus, the fucking subject on t- TikTok of these like stupid, like half scripted videos. And it's just like, who the fuck cares? Seriously. If he's liking other girls' posts or not. Like, it doesn't mean anything compared to being in a relationship with you. Like, there's no reason to not, you know, it's just, ugh. It, when insecure people get with insecure people, it it's the worst. Well, and I hate it. There's a lot of insecure people. A lot of, I mean, we all fucking grow up with insecurities, but that's part of growing yeah. up is learning, like learning those about yourself, acknowledging them and being like, huh, why do I feel this way? What caused this? But that's a lot of, that's a lot of work and a lot of effort. Like people don't have time to think that way. So a lot of that stuff goes fucking unresolved. And then we end up where we end up. I mean, for me, I just, I've never had the patience for that kind of bullshit. So I've just always been like, yeah, I haven't either. That's, that's always been a deterrent for just relationships in general. It's just like, I, I don't want to deal with your bullshit. <laughs> like if, if I'm already in my head calling your complaints bullshit, maybe I need to readjust my thought process <laughs> in mind before getting into a relationship. 
if I'm already dismissing your thoughts and feelings as bullshit. So yeah. that's something I got to work through in my, probably through therapy. So therefore, ergo, we're just going to go ahead and punt on this whole getting in a relationship thing for now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and luckily, I think Lara Jean actually learns that exact lesson by the end where it's like you have to you have to spend some time like learning yourself and figuring out what you want, what's good for you. Mm-hmm. Be independent as. Um, what's her name? The Miss Independent. Your uh, your hero from the nursing home. What's her name? Oh, Stormy. Stormy. Yes, indeed. And. Yeah, and I feel like that leads into what's going to be the main course of this podcast episode, which is the love triangle <laughs> between Peter, LJ, and John Ambrose. The way, the way you said that, I don't know, for some reason made me laugh. You said it so calmly, like, the love triangle, like, let's get into this. <laughs> you said it like a marriage counselor, like, all right. <laughs> so now... We progress into discussion of the love triangle between Peter, Laura Jean, and John Ambrose. Please have a seat. <laughs> and it starts with John Ambrose standing up and screaming, She didn't even fucking tell me she had a boyfriend. <laughs> oh, I mean, it starts with John Ambrose be- getting in the letter and just being like, Dang, I like, and. Th- it, it starts off kind of cool where, because like that's a very, you know, the what if of crushes is very strong, especially when you're young. Oh, yeah. When you, you're just like, what if they like me back? Like that is a strong feeling. Um, I, the thing about it. I remember getting to the end of senior year and finding out that a couple of girls had like had crushes on me throughout high school. And I had been mm-hmm. dating the same girl. I had a girlfriend all literally from day one to the end, the last day of high school that whole time, which I didn't regret, like still in retrospect, yeah. loved it. Yeah. But finding that out at the end of your senior year and it's like, Oh, yeah. so if I hadn't been in that relationship, the whole, like my senioritis brain was just so confuzzled. <laughs> like it did not know what the fuck to do especially on top of all those hormones jesus so yeah that struggle is real i agree uh like yeah finding that kind of information out is so tough to deal with in the, in the future when you're just like i didn't know that they even liked you like damn it like i would have totally <laughs> made a move like then you're just like miss it like all, you start thinking about all the makeouts and like mm-hmm. you know but and like great and like all the things that you missed out on which of course uh, when you're that young it's makeouts and boobs and butt touches you know i <laughs> could have like, put my tongue hey. in her mouth in the dugout yeah <laughs> like things like that yeah and so you know it's very so having him like come in and just be like, dang, is she like still, you know, is she still into me like that? Cause he's, you know, unconnected from anyone. So he's just like, yeah, I'm open to it. I thought he, actually, he handled it pretty solidly coming in. Right? He was, a, he was a perfect gentleman throughout the film. Like he's, he didn't he do shows that. up, doesn't assume anything. And is just instantly mm-hmm. like, got your letter. I was flattered. Yeah. Liked it. Just want to know why you sent it now. Kind of thing. Like not getting my mm-hmm. hopes up, not admitting anything. But if you still like, if you thought about yeah. it and yeah. you just wanted to see what it's like and see it develop, I'm willing to go grab some coffee right now. Like let's find out. But like, then instead, just LJ, because she loves mess. Don't, never forget, Laura Jean loves mess. She wouldn't put addresses on these letters if she didn't love she mess. She wouldn't have written the right? fucking letters to begin with if she didn't love mess. Well, she had she had to get her feelings out some way, all right? She couldn't, like, that's just her way of getting them out. True. Right? 
But then you and, wouldn't have addressed them, and you wouldn't have put them in a sealed envelope, and you wouldn't have put stamps on. Oh no, she didn't put stamps on them. But well, I mean, they were in a box, so she wasn't like completely ready to send them out. You know, it already gave me my my theory on what happened is that she wrote the John Ambrose one and had it addressed, and then decided not to send it. My guess is that John Ambrose moved to North Falls. Or, or no, and that's why I don't know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> nonetheless, John Ambers was like about to move, and then that's when she wrote the letter because she was kind of sad that John Ambers was leaving, and she didn't get a chance to be with him the way that she felt. And so when she leaves it open ended about there's one letter that meant more when you wrote it was probably the John Ambrose one because that was the most unfulfilled what if. It wasn't that it ended because one of them said no to the other. It ended due to distance. Mm. And it ended due to life constraints. So it was an unfinished... And that's why, yep. And that's why there's such strong feelings and why she can't really say no or be up front throughout the film until she realizes it and she realizes it almost way too late. But she can't quite say no because there's this whole gnawing feeling in the deep back down where you're like, this could be fate, giving them your second chance. And that's a strong feeling. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I'd say so. Like, I... Now, granted, I am taking a bit of a leap in, eh. you know, thinking by, by, in, by insinuating the whole moving part. He might have said it in dialogue. There was a lot of dialogue that we did this because we were cracking jokes and talking about random shit as we were watching today. But, you know, I don't believe he he covers it in dialogue. No, I don't, so I don't think theory. it's explained. I think it's left. I, I don't think we missed anything. If, yeah, if we did, it's, have to, it's, it's moving because he's not even at their high school. Yeah, because it was made, whatever the case, it's obvious that, yeah, he's not, he used to be a part of that circle but obviously mm -hmm. isn't anymore. So. Yeah, and I mean, and in a, in a town like Portland, if you move from, like, northwest to southeast, like, it, you you move to the other side of the world. You know? Yeah, it's a completely different district. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, like, and to Oregonians, you, Portland feels like a metropolis the size of the earth, so. If, like, all of a sudden you were going to, like, Beaver to, or you're going to, like, Park Rose and all your friends were up in, like, that northeast area, and then you know, you, you move and your parents got you into Jesuit. Jesuit's a life, <laughs> a lifetime away from Parker. It's like <laughs> both in distance and just in <laughs> just culture. Um, but yeah. And that's a Portland joke for the, the tens and tens of Portland listeners <laughs> that we have, I'm sure. <laughs> but what did you think? of the drama the like just the high school drama between Peter and LJ like the not buying the acapella serenade oh, the you know first like of all the, the acapella serenades fuck those things Jesus fuck those things in hell to the no fuck acapella in general yeah. in high school like fuck acapella as a staff label and crew but if you like acapella Fuck you too, right? <laughs> I remember um, freshman year of college, I went on a date with a girl that told me that she was so proud of her acapella group that she was in. And even freshman year of college, I'm just like, something's wrong with this picture. <laughs> Did you go out with a girl in high school or college? This was college. It was Lisa and I broke up for three months at the very beginning okay. of college. And in order to like force myself to like experience something outside of high school relationships. So I was like, all right, I'll go on a date. So I went on a date with a girl that I met in like a class or no, actually I think I met her through, I don't know, something else. It wasn't class. And she was like telling me all about this acapella group that she was already in. Like she did acapella in high school and she found the U of O like acapella group and she was super proud of it. I'm like, that's cool. That's, I mean, that's, it's great. Like I love hearing someone's passionate about something. 
but I'm sitting there going like, this is freshman year of college and this is the most exciting thing for you is like your acapella group. Well, freshman year, I, I get that because you don't have roots laid down and you don't live off campus yet. It's fucking so acapella, it's man. Like, Jesus. <clears throat> so wait, she, so you dated the girl who was in Davisi? Who was what? In Davisi. What's that? Is that the female acapella group on campus? Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know that I ever actually knew. I I don't I don't think I went out with her again. <laughs> well, because um, we know someone who was in DVC. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. Do I know them? Yeah. Who? Uh, Meg. Xander's wife. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't ever. I don't think I ever knew that. Was she? And wait. Was also- she in there the whole time we were in school? Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, the whole time I knew her, though, um, when I met her spring of freshman So, like, year. the whole time we were all hanging out? Like, yeah. the, the time we had the Shakespeare class together? She was in an yeah. What the f- How did this never come up? Jesus, okay. <laughs> I don't know. But what's also funny is that the VC and their, like, kind of relationship to On the Rocks is the inspiration behind the book that was written about acapella that was then turned into the pitch perfect movie series. So like a, a writer followed and like their whole and how, and like Davisi's whole thing and everything. And then they turned that into a book and then the book got optioned. So so what you're saying is I turned down a future superstar. No, because I'm sure they didn't get paid. Oh, okay. <laughs> much better, Thank you for making me feel better. <laughs> yeah. What I'm saying is that you went on a date with the girl who doesn't speak very loudly. Is is in my head. That's the one you went out with. <laughs> you know of other, like, I guess you probably. No, no. No, I'm I'm talking about Pitch Perfect. Oh. <laughs> that character. <laughs> the one. The one who's like, you know, I've burned down a house or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so in my mind, that's who you went on a date with freshman year. No, she was um no, she was the exact opposite. She was uh she was super oh, outgoing and like she was one of those uh, theater personalities that's super, super already confident in in herself, I guess, and her skills. I got it. And that's what, so like, like to hear her get excited about it was one thing, but then she started like going on about it. Like, like it was her livelihood. And I'm like, Jesus, all right, this is a little weird. Like, but for comedic purposes, I'm going to go ahead and continue to believe it was the girl who is very <laughs> no, I, I like, I like that image better. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagined you like at some sort of dinner, like having a meal at the fishbowl at the EMU. And you just like leaned over the table <laughs> and just trying to hear her and understand what she's saying. She's just like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't, I'm sorry. It's cool. What the fuck are you saying? <laughs> How the fuck did we get down this tangent? Because we were talking about uh, Peter and LJ, their high school melodrama, and how they acted in the relationship, and then we oh, talked right. about acapella ceremony. Fucking acapella. And, yeah, see, it yeah. derailed us. Anyway. It did, anyway. But also, you know, the Edgar Allan Poe poem, um, which, that's a misstep. That I mean, you got to step up and say that it wasn't you. I mean, all of Peter's transgressions in this film felt very minor. And LJ's transgressions felt a little more major. I 100% agree. You, that's a perfect way to put it. Like, granted, I mean, her reactions and his actions are all very high school. Like, none, nothing was too yes. out of the ordinary. All of this seems yes. like you and I can sit here at the age of 33 and be like, are you fucking kidding me? Come on, grow the fuck up. But realistically, yeah, it's high school. Come on. You're yeah. supposed to make these dumb mistakes. But everything he did was like, yeah, these are dumb 
young mistakes. Yeah. And then she took them and turned them into like real adult problems. Yeah. I mean, although he should have mentioned that he knew Jen took the video. That was the one thing that he did that was like, dude, that's an adult problem. And also, if he knew that Jen took the video, then yes. he should have had her take it down instead of having the girls, like having Margot lead a fucking crusade to getting it taken off of social media due to child porn laws. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, instead of all that work they did in the first film, if you knew, then you should have fucking talked to Jen and just been like, get that video the fuck off there. I don't care how pissed you are that you're going to join me in a hot tub and make out with me. Like, whatever. Uh, that was such a strange twist. I mean, not a not in a bad way. I mean, I think... Yeah. I think- That's the toughest part of, the, of this whole entire franchise. It's like that ski trip. And like, because it's such an important part for their relationship between Peter and LJ. But there's just a lot of muddied area because... LJ wanted to call it off before the ski trip, but Peter wanted to stay with her for the ski trip, but then he was going to make out with Jen, even though he really wanted LJ there. And it's just, there's a lot of... Like, it was just... It's there were a lot of obstacles. Like, it's like they were trying to set up a 110-meter hurdle race, but then they took all the hurdles and just like threw them into the middle of the track. <laughs> And so now you just have this big pile of hurdles in a circle, and you're just like, "Oh, you only got to jump over one hurdle, but it's a bunch of them, and it's all in one area. Fucking pile. And you have to figure your way over it. And we set it on fire. <laughs> also, you're covered in kerosene. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck. Yeah. Um, um, and that is life. Yeah, and that's like, yeah. Um, but then also along those same lines, like just never being upfront about why he's talking to Jen. It's like, yes, I understand Jen's going through, her parents are going through a divorce. And that's not necessarily your story to tell, but you have to tell that to your girlfriend, especially when it's your ex girlfriend that you're consoling. Exactly. You have to. You just have to. You have to. Um, and at some point, when you much like, when you grow older, like, Noah, you'll yeah. realize that it you, it's not just about having to. You'll actually want to when you're with the right person. When something like that happens, I mean, and your ex comes up for you know for consoling, the first person you want to tell about it is your partner. Hey, something fucking weird happened to yeah. me today. My ex came up to me and was crying about her parents getting divorced. Mm-hmm. Like it's just when you're with the right person, and naturally that shit should come out. Like it should just be like part of your fucking you know repertoire that's another tiktok trend another tiktok trend i'd like to argue about is the fact that there's these like stupid prank videos that these dudes make about how they're like they're talking to their current girlfriend and they're like lying or you know pranking my girlfriend telling her my ex called or called me and then there's like these whole videos of these guys like talking and like videoing their girlfriend on the sly and they're just like, hey, my ex called, you know, she wanted to give me my money back. Oh, yeah. Get it. And then watching the girlfriend's reaction, like, what? Why, why did you talk? It's like, first off, why can't you just be like, all right, go get your hoodie and come back. I'll be, I'll see you. Uh, in like, what, how far she live? A half hour? Okay, I'll see you. I'll see you at this exact time. Like, that's how I would handle it. I'd handle it like a parent. Where it just be like your curfew is this time. If you don't show up by this time, I'm assume you're kissing or fucking at that point, and then it's on. But if you make it back by this time, you got in, got your hoodie, and got the fuck out. All right. Don't stop for like some McDonald's on the way home. Don't stop for anything else. Just get here by this time, and there is no there's no problems. A capiche? Like that's how a real G handles it. <laughs> but then all these, all these girls. Anyway, I, that's another tangent. <laughs> it's a, it's a righteous one though. Like you gotta, like you gotta fucking, you gotta trust each other, and that's clearly what the issue is. Like there's a lack of trust between these two characters, which is 
easy to that easy that, that could happen because it's her first relationship ever and um and peter obviously is deeply in love with her and has not been in love with someone like this mm-hmm. he was never in love with jen the way he's in love with lj which which actually brings me to to point out something that you did several times during the movie was that they for a high school again like I'm not going to sit here and swoon about it like this is the you know the best rom-com of all time but for what it is mm-hmm. both of these movies so far for being you know silly teen rom-coms I feel like they're pretty decent quality because they show a lot without actually doing or saying a lot mm-hmm. and that's an instance where we we're shown that where we're shown this distrust we're shown why they have trust issues but we're never really we don't have to be told why you can just kind of read into it like like you just did you we already know what noah centineo's character's reasoning for being hesitant might be and we certainly know what her reasoning is yes but they never really told us any of that. We just, you know, derived that from the journey. And another scene where things are said without actually being said is the kiss of the film, in my opinion. Which is what, again, the very last scene? I think the true kiss of the film is the kiss between John Ambrose and LJ. I was wondering if you were going to pick that. I choose it because I know you won't. <laughs> um, and I choose it because I'm more, because they, we've already chosen a kiss between uh, Peter and LJ. And granted, the kisses that they share at the end of this film are fantastic. But there's probably going to be more kisses in the next film as well. And so the true the true kiss that really pushes the plot forward, but also was set very well, was the kiss that shared between LJ and John Ambrose. And it's the culmination of all of this what if. Like, there's another when they dance before she like, go, or before they go and get some air, when they're dancing, like, John Ambrose tells another thing of how he, like, set, well, I don't remember, he set something up in the lawn and got $10 from I I didn't I half listened to this. Yeah, story, I didn't really listen to it either. Uh, but <laughs> but like it's just another story of how he liked her at that time. Yeah. And how they all these and all these misconnections that they keep saying throughout the film are done to like really push the whole. This was a real missed opportunity between these two. Right. There really was something between them, although at the age of ten, you know, ten <laughs> or eleven or whatever the fuck. But there was still something between these two that they both had feelings. And so it really pushes the whole, the, the yearning for the what if, but at the same time, at this point of the film, which is the end of the film, basically, because it ends very soon after these moments. Right. At this point of the film, you're just like, okay, we get it. Like you guys liked each other a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of had that feeling, but then it finally led somewhere when she admits that she broke up with Peter and then they go out and then they enjoy the kiss and then she realizes it's Peter. And so does John Ambrose. And first off, the snow that late in March, it's... Get the fuck uh, out it's of a here. Hard, hard, yeah, it's a hard... Yeah, it's a... Fuck off. I understand global warming is really fucking our weather patterns up. So, I mean, maybe, but come on. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, in Chicago, I get it. No, definitely. But in Portland, nah. Uh, nah, not in Portland. Nah. Um, although it, I don't know where Bellevue is. If it's really up in the Portland Hills, maybe, but I don't know of a Bellevue in the Portland area. I know Bellevue, Washington. I mean, it's fantastic. It's a fictional, it's a fictional retirement home, but I'm saying if you put it into the like realistic Portland, geographically, Portland does have hills that could possibly get snow on them. You know, yeah, and I mean Portland does get snow occasionally. I mean, I think the last several winters actually yeah, they've just, gotten snow, but it doesn't. They got snow. They got snow like a week and a half, two weeks ago. Like they, yeah, you know, like so, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't stick. Certainly not in March. Yeah, that. Yeah, it's just that. 
it's a bridge too far. We're, we're talking a temperate rainforest climate yeah. here, guys. Like winters in <laughs> Oregon average like low forties and fucking gray skies and nothing happening. Yeah. Um, so nonetheless, the, there's that whole thing, and then you know the whole they do snow angels, and then just kind of being kids, and then they get up, and when they when he helps her up, immediately they're in an embrace. And then they kiss. And then when they pull away, just the looks on the face, like he was into it. And he looks at her face and she has a realization. And you could see on her face she has a real mm-hmm. realization. And then he could see that she has a realization. And he knows exactly what it is because they literally came out to get air about it. Mm-hmm. Her feelings for Peter. And that's when he says it's Peter. And she says, I'm sorry. And then he lets her go. And it's just like, Two lines. That two lines. I mean, two lines, and that's also it. Just showcases John Ambrose is a really cool character who doesn't have to be the dick to then push them back together. He can just be a cool dude who doesn't do anything wrong. He just he was just a good dude. Mm-hmm. That's it. He was a good dude who just had to teach. Who was there to teach LJ a lesson. I wonder if they give him um, a love story in the third movie. I don't know. We'll see. Because, yeah. like, I don't know where they could fit him in because he's not, he doesn't technically go to their school. And it looks, and based on the trailer, which you'll watch, it's, it's all about senior year and what happens after senior year. Um, <coughs> but, excuse me. But then, I don't know. Like, and even the kiss and the meeting of the lips was pretty good between the two of them. So I give it a B. Plus. Yeah, the kiss itself wasn't that bad. Um, I'd I'd give the 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 raw action of the kiss. I'd give it a B minus. You know, it was, it was solid, but it wasn't you know fantastic. I I mean, I was yelling at it when it was happening. I was saying F because I, I was like, "Fuck you!" Right, well, because because the whole lead up to it, I'm like, I'm not rooting for you guys to get together. Like you pointed out, at that point, it's it's led to this kiss, but like the the 10 minutes prior to that is so uncomfortable mm-hmm. that it's just like, I don't, I don't want you guys to end up together. Get the fuck out of here. Come because on. The scene we haven't even talked about the fucking after they, they have their blow up before the, the lacrosse game there. Then they have the aquarium scene, which that, oh, once again, that's another one. Yeah. Not a lot of lines, but just really cool to look at. First off, why I live tweeted this at Bro the Stone Pod, but I tweeted this out like, why are all the coolest scenes set in aquariums? Because aquariums Seriously. are the shit. Yeah, like just with the jellyfish and like the way that the lens was set up and the way that they like focused on both of them as he was taking the chain back. Dude, that was that hurt. It hurt that, to watch. That was a but you couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. And and the ambiance, like no music in the scene, no other sounds other than that like low hum ambiance from the like tanks yeah. surrounding them of the jelly. Yeah. There's no one else around. There's no people. It's not a crowded space. So you're very aware of like their isolation in this moment, the emptiness. It almost felt, it almost felt as you, the audience member, was also going underwater. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good, yeah, there's a lot of, see, if you dig a little deeper, there's some cool symbolism in some of, the, some of these scenes. You know, I dig it. Like, you notice that little, and it's just like, it's a, it's a technique. It's something that's done that you can find as an audience member that's, that respects your intelligence that you will find it. We understand that you will solve this puzzle and get that. Yeah. And, you know, instead of having it completely handed to you, by other directors. Cough, Gary Marshall. Fucking Cough. Gary Marshall. God damn Gary Marshall. Gary. That's a running gag now. We have yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel like we actually have to now, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what did you think the kiss of the film was? Well, I obviously thought it was the last one. But... Mm-hmm. Um, what, the one with the float? Or the one when he shows up to the to there because she doesn't like driving the snow and he asks her to break her heart or break his heart. Wait a minute. What's the, what's the final kiss? 
That's the one where he shows up, right? Well, there's, I mean, they go to the treehouse, see it getting torn down, and then they kiss again, and then they float in the air, and then there's the credit roll. Oh, right. Well, that final floating scene was pretty fucking passionate. That was a good kiss. I'd give that, True. I'd give that an A. That's a solid kiss. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I think the kiss for me is the one where he shows up because that's yeah, where they, and they tell each other that they love. Yes. Him. Because that's yeah. the, that's of course the pivotal moment. That's the big moment. So, Agreed. um, you know, I know we've seen him kiss before, so obviously we don't really, I'm not really paying attention to that as much, but that the lead mm-hmm. up to it when it's like, all right, she, she went and. I guess what I'm rating is the gravity of it, the whole build up to it. Mm-hmm. I am so roped up into that fucking storyline at that moment in the movie that I'm like, I mean, I'm pissed that she kissed the other guy, but I'm glad that she realized she doesn't like him. But technically, it wasn't cheating either. Right, it wasn't cheating. It was done the correct way. They did break up, but but it's also like under like auspicious circumstances, and it's. Yeah, it's just it's not it's not comfortable. It's an awkward situation. And but then also then there's this moment of confusion where it's like, well, I also don't want her running back to him, you know, like that's part of the problem. She needs to be her own. And but she takes that last little leap and realizes, oh, you don't actually have to look for the the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. You just be happy that you know, just be honest and happy about what you feel, which is you love this person. That's it. And just take it as for the complete picture that it is the good and the bad moments. It doesn't need to be perfect for it to be quote unquote meant to be kind of thing. And she clearly learns that as we see after the kiss, when she, we have, she has that little monologue to end the movie, but that build up to the kiss. I'm like, I don't, I don't want her running back to him, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I want them to be get together, but he's kind of pissing me off right now too. And, and then she opens the doors and there he is. And it's like, boom, vindicated. I want them together. Now he came back. He showed that he doesn't fucking care anymore. He loves her. Let's go. Yeah. So I would give that, I'd give that a a solid A just because it's, it's the rom-com kiss that I want to see where it's like, yeah. You got to overcome and, the issue on your own volition and in your own way. And then I know, awesome. Mm-hmm. You guys are meant to be. <laughs> and, and by the way, my main reasoning behind John Ambrose and uh, LJ's kiss being a B plus was that it wasn't Peter. Oh, of course. If it was Peter, it would have been an A. So. Well, and I'm glad you reviewed that kiss too, because it, you're right that it's a very necessary kiss. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's well acted. Very well acted. But like the fact that she was able to, you know, explore, as we've already said, healthily, that other mm-hmm. option and cross it off is like, no, you know what? This isn't what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, in a very, you know, independent way. Um, yeah. She, you know, we're, we're dic- she's dictating the feelings here. She's dictating the growth of things. Um it's her who's making the choice. Like we're not seeing the guy realize it and go chase after the girl. All the, you know, we're seeing the guy ask, you know, like he, he almost, he was in the submissive role when he says, you know, when he wants to be with it, you know? Yeah, I know. I, I was sitting there on the edge of my seat, like waiting for, all right, Noah Centineo, step the fuck up. What's going to be the first word to come out or first words to come out of his mouth. And of course he takes that whole like sheepish little, like, well, you know, I know you don't like to drive in the snow. Like snow. And it's like, ah, you fucker. You got it's it. It's like, damn it. That's, you charming little that's bitch. A winner. That's a winner. That's of a winner. There you fucker. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as what happens after ever after, well, there's a third film. Yeah. So, We'll postpone it for after that one, and then I'll hopefully have something after we watch it. Um, as far as the verdict of the film, I'll go first. I married this film much like I married the last film. I think these are fun movies. 
and I have high hopes for the next one. And if the next one meets those high hopes, this could be a whole, you know, one of those like trilogies that you watch, you know, that I watch once a year sort of things. Yeah. Like fuck watching Star Wars trilogy. I want to watch the all, all the boys trilogy. Yo, man, you're gonna watch the Star Wars trilogy? Yeah, I'm gonna watch the uh, the no, no I, like I don't have time for Chewbacca and Han Solo. I'd much rather watch Laura Jean and Peter figure out their feelings for each other throughout high school. Well, I mean, your your instincts aren't off because you're not missing anything. Star Trek's better than Star Wars anyway. But um, that's for another. What's your verdict? uh same as last film i'd fuck it this is a fuck for me just because it's a good film it's definitely worth a one watch but i'd personally like just like the last film i'd definitely go back and watch it again but until i do i can't confidently say that i'd marry it okay well uh as far as our socials are concerned uh on instagram you can find the shows instagram at bromancing the stone podcast that's all one word together bromancing the stone podcast i uh, can find us on twitter at bro the stone pod you can find the live tweets there of the last i don't know how many films but um finally making use of that twitter account uh and then uh you can find me on twitter at supermarket suite without the e in super so s-u-p-r market suite uh, and then you can find me on Instagram at Relusa88. That's R-E-L-U-S-A-88. And then Max. On Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted, T-H-E period L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. And on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionhearted with an underscore. T-H-E underscore L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. Fantastic. And then next week, we will watch the third and final installment of the To All The Boys series. It's coming out Friday the 12th. We will be watching it on Valentine's Day and making a night of it. Yeah. It shall be fun. It's going to be awesome. That's what perfect fucking V-Day plans we got. Like, <laughs> Exactly. We got a podcast about rom-coms on Valentine's Day. We're going to sit down. We're going to bro out. You got it right. That's how two, two single 33-year-old bros spend their Valentine's night. Fucking love is By it. watching to all the boys p.s or to all the boys uh, always and forever laura g i'm gonna get on GoPuff and i'm gonna get some flowers and chocolates delivered to myself <laughs> a little champagne and watch the, watch the trailer and tell me what you think of it yeah i all will right. i gotta do that all right well till then for the tens and tens of listeners we love y'all thank you for listening we will catch you next week we love you guys stay safe <laughs>